The Fields Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up, Huddle Up. with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shatter, John Osher, and NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome to the new era. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. And we welcome you in. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on a Wednesday afternoon. A busy show ahead as the Jaguars get ready for the San Francisco 49ers in Week 11. We'll hear from, yes, Bucky Brooks, NFL Network analyst, Jaguars.com senior writer John Osier joining us. We'll look ahead to this matchup at TIA Bank Field this week. The 49ers coming in off a Monday night win. The Jags offense looking for a spark. There was a lot of wide receiver talk today. We'll hear from Urban Meyer coming up on that. And Jaguars defense playing well recently. We'll uh, hear from Jaguars defensive tackle Malcolm Brown. Also quarterback Trevor Lawrence met with the media today. John Ozer joining us. Hi, John. Uh, uh, Let's get your mic on. Let's say that one more time. Well, what I said was it's always good to be on the Bucky Brooks Show. It always is, and Bucky Brooks is with us on the Bucky Brooks Show. Good afternoon, Buck. What's up? I tried to dress it down a little bit this week because I felt like last week I dressed up and we didn't play well, so I'm going to go back to uh, a little more casual, a little more casual look, see if we can get a a dub this week. But even when Bucky's casual, it it doesn't look casual. It looks sharp. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, I appreciate that. I it's like the sharp. compliments, too, J.O. I like, I like that. <laughs> right. John, John is in a festive mood. I'm going to try and be a little more fiery, too. I felt like when I was a little ornery two weeks ago, we were able to get the win. Last week, I was all gumdrops and lollipops, and we lost. So I'm going to go back to the other way. Back to Salty Bucky. We like that. And uh, it turned <laughs> out to be a winning result two weeks ago. Let's see if they can get it done this week. Let's start with the Jaguars back in the practice field. Today, getting ready for Week 11 against the 49ers. Brandon Linder was back out there today. James O'Shaughnessy, both placed on the IR designated for return list. They have a 21-day window to practice now to get ready, or if they aren't ready in three weeks, then they have to go on IR the rest of the season. Uh, Urban Meyer was optimistic, though, earlier today on their status. A few guys uh, did not practice today. James Robinson, one of those. Miles Jack, Dakota Allen, the linebackers, Jordan Smith, all did not practice today. Uh, J-Rob with a knee issue today. And then Logan Cook was limited. The punter with a left knee issue. Carlos Hyde with a shoulder issue limited as well. We heard from head coach Urban Meyer earlier today getting the Week 11 slate started this morning here at TIAA Bankfield. The conversation this week about wide receivers and trying to get something going on the outside. Uh, trying to find the right mix out there. You know, I think uh, the DJ Chark obviously was something we counted on with his speed and size, and then we, you know, continue to search. And you know, Marvin Jones has been pretty consistent. Lavisca, we've been moving inside and outside. You know, and I think we're going to settle him down at one position. Uh, Agnew was a guy that we really didn't count on. And he turned out to be provide a spark for us. He's fast. He's tough. Takes care of the ball. Uh, but that's. That's one of the areas that we're trying to figure out. Yeah, and they haven't quite been able to do that yet, Bucky. They're just trying to mix some things up. Maybe moving LaVisca back in could help. Maybe bringing Brown off the practice squad. I mean, there's a lot of there's, there's only so many things you can do at this point. Yeah, there's only so much you can do where we're at this part of the season. I mean, we're more than halfway through the year. What you have is what you have. 
And so right now it is incumbent upon the play callers to figure out how to design plays to help the guys where they're at. And so is that moving LaVisca around and, or settling him in at one spot where he can play fast because he knows everything that he's able to do? Or is that being a little more creative and just trying to figure out a way to get the best guys the ball in any way, shape, or form and hope that they can find a way to make a play? But obviously, look, man, it's the biggest position that we struggle with this season. We just haven't gotten enough big plays in the passing game. And it's hard to score points when you don't get play, big plays in the passing game. And so it's one of the issues that I think frustrates everyone, including Urban Meyer, when he looks at the team on a weekly basis. Well, it has to frustrate him because right now it feels like everything else is functioning at least at a serviceable level. You've got the running back. When Robinson's in, is fine. Tight end. I continue to say the offensive line, if everything else is going well around it, not great, but fine. Uh, I don't. I don't think it would hurt to have Lavisca back in the slot, where he is clearly more comfortable, more capable. Uh, I ha- I do, however, and I'd like your Bucky's thoughts on this since it's his show, um, that I don't know how much having just Lavisca in the slot will help if the outside guys are not threatening and stretching the field. I th- I. I understand, I think, why the coaches have kept LaVisca there. Your best guys need to be on the outside because that strains the defense, even if LaVisca is not a deep ball guy. Um, You want to get LaVisca the ball in screens, in situations where he can excel, but if things are bunched up due to a lack of respect of what's going on on the outside, I don't know that your efforts to put LaVisca in better situations will have the results you want. Um, I'm not against the move, but, Bucky, I wonder if, you know, without that stretch concept outside, can LaVisca do what LaVisca does? Uh, your thoughts on that? No, I think you bring great points, John. I, I think there are a couple of things that are at play when you're looking at how they're trying to reshuffle uh, the lineup to try and get their guys playing well. Uh, basically, LaVisca and uh, Agnew, do the same things. Both guys are what we call kind of gadget trick guys, bubble screens, option routes, things that are short and quick, their best trick or their run to catch ability. What you ideally would like is if you use those guys interchangeably, where one guy's the flanker or the Z, the other guy's the slot receiver and the E, and they can just flip-flop, mix and match, and kind of do those things to create opportunities for both of them. I think with LaVisca, it might be an issue not only in terms of like skill set being on the outside, but it's a different game on the outside. You have to be a more precise route runner. Timing is more important when you're throwing the ball outside as opposed to throwing inside. Inside, you have a little more freedom when it comes to the creativity to do your own thing when it comes to running routes where you don't have those same opportunities on the outside. So what Urban Meyer may do is he may look and say, man, LaVisca Chenault is one of our best players when we come to looking at his athleticism and explosion, what can we do to enable him to play fast and free without thinking? Let's put him back in his original spot so he doesn't have to think about all the different changes that could go on when he goes outside. Let's just try and get him to play fast. Let's get him the ball and let's get out the way and see if he can make some plays. 
It's one of those where we've seen it, obviously, for two years now. He makes a catch. He can break a tackle against uh, somebody who might not Mm -hmm. be a good matchup against him, and then he can go for another 20 yards, right? I mean, he did it earlier this year where he had a a long run after a catch. Yeah, I think that's it. I think ultimately what you want to do is when your team is struggling, you want to do less. You want to simplify. You want to make the game easy for the players so they can walk into the field confident, knowing exactly what they're doing, how to do it, and they can play fast. Um, for the biscuit, that might mean the original return to the slot position where he's probably played the most of any position in the wide receiver core. Hey, let's get back to feeling great about how you perform, how you go about getting open. Let's get the ball to you because it's easy to get the ball to the slot receiver. Sometimes uh, easier to get it to the slot as opposed to the outside guy. And then you put pressure on your coordinator. I want the biscuit Chenault to get 10 touches in this game, and I don't care what they look like screens, uh, bubbles, hitches, option routes, whatever it is, fly sweeps, he needs to touch it 10 times so we can see what kind of impact he can make on the game. I hope he does. I I like LaVisca. There is potential there, and there's playmaking there. Um, I continue to say what I've said all year. My only concern with it is breaking tackles at the line of scrimmage is is a tough way to make a living in the NFL as a wide receiver yes, because it is. because you've got linebackers, you've got guys who can run the same speed as you. Uh, I hope that they can find that way for him to work because it's intriguing. I think it's going to be difficult if the field remains as bunched up because you've got to break a lot of tackles if you're him. So, uh, yeah, the, you go yeah ahead. the only thing, John, I agree with you on that. I think all they have to do though in this week in particular. I think if I'm Brian Schottenheimer and, and I'm Daryl Bevel, I'm Urban Meyer, I'm saying, hey, why don't you pop in a, a little Debo Samuel tape and see if they okay. any idea you can steal from what the 49ers are doing to get him going. Because their skill sets are comparable. I'm not saying that he's on the same level as Debo Samuel right now, but when Debo Samuel was coming out of South Carolina, he was a more accomplished return man. He was a, a productive receiver, but his best traits were what he did in the return game and what he did with the ball in his hands in the open field. LaVisca is very similar. And so if they can have success in San Francisco utilizing Debo Samuel as a old school wingback, like I, I think I told uh, <laughs> JP yesterday when we were talking in UK, and I know everyone is going to be like, what? What's the wing? But a wingback who's a half running back, half wide receiver, the Jaguars certainly should steal some of that and put it into play. And Urban Meyer knows I would use him very much like um, he used Percy Harvin when he was at Florida. How he used Curtis Samuel when he was at Ohio State. This shouldn't be this difficult to get LaVisca Chanel on track. Let's hear from the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, speaking with the media today. John Osier had the question about his pocket presence and if he's still working on it. I've always had a pretty good feel for the pocket and moving. I think the difference in college and now the NFL is, you know, when you feel color or you feel someone getting off a block or whatever and you move I've always been good at that it's just not moving too much though you know the NFL you can only move a yard or so and then you're going to move into more trouble if you move further than that so that's one thing that just smaller movements you watch someone like Tom Brady just can sit in the pocket and move six inches each direction and buy himself a couple extra seconds like that's something that him and Aaron Rodgers and all these guys have been playing for a long time do a really good job of, and that's just through experience and playing and getting a feel for it and really trusting it. And um, I feel like I've gotten better, but there's always more work to do there. 
Always room to improve. Trevor, last week, 16 of 35, 162 yards, 59 and a half rating. And you see his numbers for the year, just under 2,000 yards. Uh, John, you asked him the question, and uh, that's a very thoughtful answer from a quarterback in his first season. Well, I just asked because I thought he was off the charts good at this early. And I'm glad we used this because I do want to hear Bucky's thoughts on it. Um, I thought he was off the charts good awareness getting away from pressure early in the season it seems like in the last couple of weeks maybe he has has felt the pressure a little more I'm not saying he's bad in this area I think think he's really good and I don't think you lose it in a couple of games but Bucky are you seeing anything concerning in the pocket where do you think he is on this and uh you know what are your thoughts on that uh, watching him because I know you watch that closely every week with him. Yeah, no, John, I, I think you pointed to something. He is a little jittery in the pocket, but some of that is because he's waiting for his guys on the outside to win in a league that is really predicated on timing and rhythm, particularly from the quarterback. When your guys don't uncover quickly and you've been hit a few times, it does make you change and move around and hope and pat the football and wait for your guy to get open. And so, um, I feel like with Trevor Lawrence, like we really won't know what he is going forward until he has more around him, not only the offensive line, but the playmakers. Because what he needs and what I would love to see, I would love to see him take a snap, drop back, hit the fifth step, let the ball go on time, and guess what? The wide receiver is open. It is rare that we're seeing those simple things kind of play out. And so because of that, that's why this passing game has been grounded. They have to find a way to make it very easy for him and the way they can make it easier for him is making the game easier for the wide receivers to uncover, get open quickly so he can deliver the ball on time. And I have to worry about all the chaos around him within the pocket. Yeah, Bucky, you touched on something I've said a couple times this week. Um, I'm not saying that Trevor hasn't had some bad plays in the last couple of weeks. You know, I went back and watched the game. He, he threw 35 times, counted five or six balls that I thought, okay, they accurate off a little bit on that. But what you never see, and maybe this came into light because I'm watching the Colts the other day. Uh, I'm always drawing a blank on the kid's name. Their top receiver, uh, Michael Bennett. Pittman. Uh, oh, Pittman, Pittman, I'm sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. Two or three times in that game, wide open on crossing routes, where easy throw and it's a 15-yard game. Um, I haven't seen that for this offense at all this season. And I guess my point with Trevor to the people who are criticizing him this week, as a rookie, if you throw 35 times, I'm not sure you're not going to expect six or seven balls that aren't quite where they want to be, especially if the wide receivers aren't winning. But the drops and the lack of anything easy, it feels like there ought to be eight more completions in there somewhere between something ought to be breaking easier than this and they ought to be catching the ball a little better. It Everybody wants to turn this conversation on Trevor into this or that. It's either one or the other. It's somewhere in between, but I think those points I make, Bucky, I, it, I think they're valid because I'm making them. But <laughs> what, you know, your thoughts on that? There's a lot of validity to it. Uh, it's a lot of validity to being able to look at the game. And a lot of times when I'm looking at Trevor, I just throw the numbers to the side because I don't think it's a really fair way to evaluate him based on the numbers. What he's playing with, what he's being tasked, with is uncommon for what uh, a rookie should be doing. We're basically asking Trevor Lawrence to put the team on his back 
as a first-year starter. That is uncommon. That is unprecedented. That's not really what you ask your young quarterback to do. Typically, in most situations, you want your other guys, your other parts of the team, to be able to carry the team while the young rookie gets up to speed. So the defense keeps the score down. The running game keeps the offense within range. The quarterback is asked to make four or five plays a game to eventually win the game. When everyone is celebrating Mac Jones' success, right? Everyone is talking about Mac Jones, best rookie we've seen. Look at all this. When you dig into the numbers, the majority of his plays are running back screens. He has the second most in the league. Out routes, he has the most in the league. And check down plays. That's what he's doing. He is winning because the design of the offense has made it where he is only throwing safe throws. And that is on a team that doesn't have a lot of exceptional perimeter talent. So some of this falls back on the play call and the play designers to make the game easier for the quarterback. Make the game easy for the quarterback, and then he can do some of those things that we saw him do at Clemson, and this offense would develop a better rhythm because the driving force of the offense is comfortable and playing better. We're just getting started on Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks. We'll return with a look at the San Francisco 49ers. And a little later, we'll hear from Malcolm Brown, the Jaguars' defensive tackle, as the Jaguars try to get back on track. Back-to-back home games coming up. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks is brought to you by Fields Cadillac of Jacksonville and Fields Cadillac St. Augustine, members of the Fields Auto Group. And this is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks and the inaugural Jacksonville Barbecue Festival is bringing the best barbecue in the nation to Florida December 10th through 12th at TIAA Bank Field. Award-winning brisket, ribs, burn-ins, and more. Enter for free and pay as you go or go hog wild with a VIP pit pass that gives you two and a half hours of all you can eat and drink. Visit bbqfestjacks.com. John, you like going hog wild. Well, I was going to say, that sounded to me like your perfect weekend. (laughs) (laughs) I've had worse, I guess. (laughs) I mean, Bucky, you're a a Raleigh, North Carolina guy. You're a barbecue guy, I'm sure, right? I mean, yeah, barbecue now. That's that real barbecue up south. You go to other parts of the country, they'll talk about different barbecue, but it's not vinegar-based. And so Mm. you don't necessarily get it on a bun with slaw, with vinegar in it, and a little hot sauce and all that other stuff that you need to have. Uh, for it to qualify as real barbecue. That yeah. other stuff, I don't know what that is. Yeah, that Eastern Carolina. Barbecue snob, Bucky Brooks. Yeah. You, I like that. If it, ain't, <laughs> if it ain't vinegar, Bucky ain't touching it. Okay, that's fine. I don't know if they're even going to have that here, but we'll see. That's in December <laughs> uh, coming up. Let's take a look at the San Francisco 49ers. And, Bucky, I mean, this team just hammered the Rams on Monday night. That was unexpected, I think, for a lot of people. It was OBJ's first game. Here comes Von Miller on the field for the first time, and the 49ers have like an 18-play drive to open the game and set the tone. Yeah, they set the tone, and they got back to their identity. Now, some of that is they always beat the Rams. Like, that's kind of what they have done in the Kyle Shanahan era. He kind of lords over Sean McVay and the Rams for whatever reason. But – I think it was a huge game because for the first time, I mean, I think in his young NFL coaching career, Kyle Shanahan was under fire in terms of the underachievement of a team that we expected to be one of the teams in the mix to be a Super Bowl contender. 
And so what happens is when you're backed into a corner, what you do is you come out swinging and you go back to what you know. And what the Niners know is they know how to run the football. And they run the football as well as any other team that we'll face. And so this week is a huge talent for the Jaguars because all the improvements that have been made in terms of defending the run, well, this is the final exam. This is the test because we will see because what the Niners wanted to do against the Rams, they wanted to run the ball 40 times. They ran it 44. And so if you can think about NFL football in a game in which you normally have 65 to 70 plays, to run it 40-plus times, you're saying we are committed to running the ball 50% of the time and keeping that balance ratio. And so for the Jaguars, this is a big boy pads week. Put on your big boy pads, put your mouthpiece in, strap it up because you're going to have to be able to tackle and tackle well to stop this running game because they are physical and they're coming downhill. You know me, JP. I, I like to get out of here early on Sundays. So it, it sounds like we might be out of here by about 2.30. He's not lying. And it, so uh, this may be one of the fastest games that we've covered. Because I, think, I think the Jaguars like to do the same thing, and I, I'm exaggerating. But uh, I guess what we're going to say about games all season and the rest of the season, because the Jaguars still aren't talent-wise up to a lot of teams, is that they're tough matchups. So it's no surprise to hear it's a tough matchup. But this is one that a couple weeks ago, Jaguars fans started saying, hey, maybe we can get the Niners because they're struggling. I, I think this is a tough matchup for the reasons Bucky cited. They still believe they're in it. They can run very well. And it was interesting. Uh, I talked to Matt Burroughs, who covers the 49ers for The Athletic and has covered them for a long time. He made an interesting point about teams that don't play the 49ers very often. They... They're one of the only teams now left running that Shanahan-Kubiak-type running game, so you don't see it very often. And it, it can shock you when you haven't seen it at first. And I think that's what the Jaguars have to guard against a little bit, is having the same thing happen Sunday that happened against the Colts, where they run down your throat a little bit. Then you get it together, and you're all right. But for this offense right now, you don't want to be down 14 nothing, 10 nothing, and have to come back with this offense. It was a superhuman effort, I thought, to get back in it because you were getting back in it defensively. That is a tough task to ask this offense to do two weeks in a row. Yeah, I, I agree with that one. And and Bucky, of course, yeah. you know, they can run the ball, and then they got playmakers when they're not running the ball. And and uh, on the outside with Debo Samuel, he's second in the league in receiving yards. And then uh, we know what issues have been in the past around here guarding tight ends. Uh, Kittle's among the best in football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they call that group the Yak Brothers because they get down. Yards after catch, and you're going to see a ton of it. What they want to do is they want to put the ball in the hands of those guys and let them get loose on the perimeter. I'll say that there's a it's not a coincidence, but when you look at their receivers, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk both were accomplished punt returners when they were in college. And so one of the reasons why, as an evaluator, you want guys who are punt returners as your wide receivers, they are great in traffic when it comes to running the ball. They're great open field runners. They also have a level of toughness that allows them to run through traffic and not dive at the first uh, sign of someone coming up about to hit them. And their toughness also shows up when they're blocking on the perimeter. These are guys that they will have these cut down splits. They will go and dig out the safeties. And what the Niners want to do is they want to test your corner's ability to make one-on-one tackles over 60 minutes. And so, to me, this is a measuring stick game for the Jaguars, not in terms of schematics and where we are in in that part of it, 
but how tough is the team physically? Can they go and get into a ring with heavyweights and throw haymakers back and forth? Because if you're not a tough team physically dealing with the San Francisco 49ers, they'll run you out of the stadium. Are they, uh, first of all, after you go back, I'm never one to criticize anybody's nickname, but the Yak Brothers is a horrible nickname. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't call them that. That's what they call themselves in the I, Bay Area. That's, I don't yeah. give them that. That's so they give themselves their own nickname, though? Yeah. How does that work? You can't yeah. do that. No, that's in the Bay Area. That's what they okay. call okay. themselves. Well, like, it, it, it's, like, uh, J.O. is the accomplished journalist and reporter. When he has the conference call with those guys, he can fair. ask them. Fair. I mean, it, it, maybe like, it'll, maybe it'll grow here. on me. Maybe it'll grow on me. Is it, is it, so, um, uh, are they, Bucky? I thought the Colts were a pretty similar physical test, but I think you're right. The, uh, the Niners, we don't see them very often. We think of the Tennessee Titans as very, very physical. Um, yeah. They're in that world, though. They're in that. I mean, yes. if you out-physical these guys, uh, I've been saying all week, and JP's heard me, the biggest – thing that this franchise has done in the last six months they have gone from where you didn't know what their defensive front was to I think they have a defensive front that they can rely on and build around I think that's the thing that they have developed most so you're saying a huge test and a huge measuring stick for the area that I think is maybe the best area on the team right now in the defensive front the Jags defensive front yeah yeah well, yeah, certainly in the trenches, but I, I'm saying all around because gotcha. this is an all-hands-on-deck game when it comes to uh, you need your DBs to engage in the tackling part of it. You need your safeties down at the line of scrimmage making tackles. Your linebackers who are active and like to run around, they're going to have to put the pads on. They're going to have to go and they're going to have to thump people. And the thing is, it's easy to do that and play that style for like a quarter, maybe even two quarters. But over a 60-minute game, most people wear down at the physicality and toughness particularly when they're on. And when you take that physical element and then you add in all of the eye candy that you'll see, this is a team that will probably motion or shift 70 to 75% of the plays that we see them. So there's always one wide receiver tied in or fullback going from one side to the other, then it's motion. So you not only have to be ready for a physical battle, but your mind has to be sharp to be able to make checks and adjustments and get lined up. And if at any point, there's a miscommunication and you're not solid in the gap, Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, somebody's going to split the gap and they're going to go for a 20-yard gain. What my biggest fear and what everybody's biggest fear is when you face the 49ers is that you see the first drive that they had against the Rams mm. where they take it 15, 16, 17 plays and there is nothing that you can do to slow them down before they score because that is just kind of like the appetizer in terms of what is the main meal for the day, which is a lot of run, a heavy dose of run, and a little smattering of Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball outside. And then you go on the defensive side for San Francisco, a top 10 unit in the league, six in the league against the pass. They can get to the quarterback with Nick Bosa, mainly. Urban Meyer knows him well, of course, from Ohio State. Uh, it's a group that uh, doesn't have a lot of takeaways this year on the back end, but um, at least in terms of yardage, they can slow some teams down. It helps when the offense is running it like they have been running it. But Nick Bosa is where you start here. you got to get him blocked, Bucky. 
Yeah, the guys that you ever watch on this, on this team, uh, it's the three guys up front. It's Eric Armstead, it's Nick Bosa, and then it's Fred Warner. And Nick Bosa, man, you talk about the energizer bunny, just nonstop, relentless competitor, does a great job of uh, utilizing his hand skills. And if, if you're a weak link on that side when it comes to being fundamentally sound, good night, man. He's going to have a tough he, – he's going to give you problems because his technical skills, his, his refinement as a pass rusher is next level. And the motor and the energy that he plays with off the edge, man, it just wears you down. It wears you out. And he's going to make plays. So part of the reason why they haven't been able to get turnovers, one, he's coming back from that ACL injury, still kind of shaking off the rust and feeling his way. Two, they haven't been able to kind of get up and dictate the terms and make you chase points. Because if they can get up by 14 quickly and then force you to abandon your game plan, that's when all hell breaks loose. That's when they go loose. They go crazy. I don't want all hell to break loose. No, I don't think anybody does. It'd be bad. That's bad for business. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Bad. Bad for business. I I think it's a – I agree with Bucky. I I said last week for the Colts I thought this was a – a real opportunity for this team to show that the improvement's real. I feel the same way this week. You know, it, it, they go toe to toe with this team on Sunday. Uh, it's tight at the end. All of a sudden, you've had three or four games where you've shown you're for real in the last uh, uh, four or five weeks. Yeah. That's what I'm watching for as much as the W or the L. All right, guys, let's come back in a moment and we'll hear from Malcolm Brown, Jaguars defensive tackle, social media question. And uh, plenty more ahead. This is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. Definitely don't want guys out there thinking too much on the field. Um, Whatever is comfortable for guys to run, whatever they feel comfortable in, we we try to keep the communication open between the coaches. And I mean, we're out there playing, so. Uh, they want to keep us comfortable and keep our minds clear so we can play fast, play physical, whatever it is. That's Malcolm Brown, Jaguars defensive tackle. couple tackles for loss last week against Indianapolis. And welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks and the 49ers-Jaguars game this Sunday is presented by Renewal by Anderson, official replacement window and door partner of the Jaguars, a better way to a better window. For more, visit online at rbafla.com. J.P. Shadrick. John Osher, Bucky Brooks, the Jags, and the Niners coming up. Let's go to social media. We went to Twitter today with a bat signal. We got a good one uh, coming in today. To get us started on social media from at Danton Thomas, have the Jaguars silently made the tight end room bearable? That's <laughs> a little bit of a question, but, you know, it, there's some positive news, at least on that front. Dan Arnold's been playing well, Bucky, and, uh, you know, James O'Shaughnessy might be back on the field. We'll see if he can get back at some point very soon, but what do you think of the room? Uh, I like Dan Arnold. I think Dan Arnold has been a nice find. Uh, I think the other guys still need to come up to speed, but yes, the room is uh, I would say acceptable. I think you can win with what you're getting on the outside. Uh, obviously, you would like to have an all-star playmaker there, but Dan Arnold has given them exactly what they were looking for when they made the trade. I mean, you know, 27 catches, 315 yards, in uh, six games, he's done a really, really good job of making plays happen on the perimeter. Now it's about seeing what else can he do, how else can he add to the passing game, because he is the one player right now that we have seen Trevor Lawrence being able to hit and hit whenever he wanted to. Well, he's the number one target, the number one receiver, the number one uh, receiving yards player for the Jags since he arrived here. I mean, he's been the number one target 
for uh, Trevor Lawrence. Now, how about Manhurts? You know, we weren't seeing much of him in the passing game. That wasn't the plan to begin with. But in the blocking game, he had some penalties last week. How's, how, how's his play been for you? Uh, I think we got sold a bill of goods in terms of what, what he was supposed to be. Like, he was supposed to be, like, this great dynamic blocker. He's going to move people and all this, move heaven and earth and create these lanes. I don't think he's that. Uh, I think at the end of the day, he's fine. But I think ultimately, the more that you see him play, the more that you desire to have more at the position. And so you can get through this year with him and he can do some things or whatever. But I think it's another position that has to continue to be addressed because Dan Arnold looks like a number one type tight end. But you still need some compliments around him because you want to play big boy football where you can get in 12 and 13 personnel and do some different things. Uh, I think in the offseason, you have to look to upgrade the, the position with more players, more bodies. Yeah, I think the reality at tight end is when you're trying to build, which you know, you're one in 15 last year, so you, it stands to reason you're building a lot of areas. Uh, they've been deficient, especially at wide receiver or especially at receiving tight end for a long time. In the nine months since they took over, it feels to me like they've gotten tight end to an acceptable level. Uh, you know, I don't think you can run as well as they've run at times this season if that position is playing or if that position is blocking poorly. So I don't think Manners has played poorly. And I agree with Bucky. He's, he's been fine. So you've gotten it to now, JP, I think, in the offseason, you don't have to worry about tight end, but you are looking to continue to upgrade it. If, if you have what you've got there, you're functional, you're fine, which, which they weren't in the past. So they've made a step, and now, like Bucky says, they have to can keep making that step. The big thing, it's easier to find really good blocking tight ends than really good receiving tight ends. If they've fixed the receiving issue, which has been an issue since, uh, you know, Pete Mitchell. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of yeah. – so if they've got that, then they've made a step at that position. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Pete Mitchell, man, way to bring him a name blast from the past. Like, Whereas I mean, Coughlin said, Pete way Mitchell. back in the, in the 90s machine. I dig but Pete, it, though. One of my teammates, he can make plays. Yeah, they need someone that can get down the thing. And, and you're right. They, for whatever reason, haven't been able to hit on it consistently where you can make plays, someone that can dominate over the middle field, someone who can dictate the terms and change coverage. Haven't seen that. And the funny thing is, a lot of times, those guys aren't top picks. It's just a matter of finding the guys with the skill set that can be developed and refined, and then you can put them on the field and you can trust that they can make plays when the numbers call. Yeah, Kittle was, what, a fifth-round pick, mm -hmm. right? I mean, yeah. those guys are, are later yeah, in the Yeah, if you look, at, you look at the top guys, Kittle, Kelsey, Darren Waller, all the day three guys. And so it's about the development part of the equation. Can you find guys that have the physical tools and then develop them and give them an opportunity to play? Now we know that the, the Jags have thrown money at it a lot of different ways over the years. Julius Thomas and Austin Safarian Jenkins and just to name a couple oh, of guys that didn't work ASJ. out. Didn't work out, Buck. No, it didn't. ASJ, uh, Julian Thomas, uh, Mercedes worked out for a little bit. Oh, yeah. He oh, was he here did. for a while. Yeah. He worked out. Sure. He worked out but he's nah, still working out for the Packers, to too, by the way. He's still working out. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's the only guy that I've seen go from a receiver tight end build to a uh, blocking tight end build over the course of a career. It doesn't happen like that, but hey, give him credit. He's figured it out. He certainly has. We'll come back and get our final thoughts ahead of this Week 11 matchup. The Niners and the Jags coming up at TIAA Bank Field, and this is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network.
Welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks. Our final thoughts ahead of the Jags and the Niners coming up in week 11. J.P. Shadrick, John Osier, Bucky Brooks, Trent Padilla on the video today. Brent Reber on the audio side this afternoon. All right, well, it's a it's a 1 o'clock kickoff Eastern. That's 10 o'clock where you are out in California. That's one thing going for the Jags this week and against the Niners. Yeah. Another thing is that the Niners played on Monday night football. That's a short week. And, uh, you know, the third great thing is that it's a three-time zone trip. All of that combined, Jaguars dub, Bucky. Uh, I would like to think so. Uh, I would like to hope so. Uh, you are talking about a lot of different things working in their favor. Short week, uh, cross-country trip, uh, early kickoff. I mean, all those things are uh, in the Jags' favor. Hopefully it's hot and sunny. Uh, Jaguars can put them in a the hot uniform, and maybe they can melt away. We get a good good day down in Duval. Uh, but the thing is, like, ultimately, man, this is going to come out to the, come down to the team that outhits the other team. And so if the Jaguars play physical and they're able to control the line of scrimmage, they have a great opportunity to win because I could sit here and give the 49ers flowers for 45 minutes, but at the end of the day, they are what their record is. And so teams have knocked them off and they found a way to beat them, but the teams that have beaten them have been able to beat them in the physical part of the game. And so that's the requirement. I think the hot, hot weather is done, John. 73, partly cloudy on yeah, Sunday. I mean, uh, oh, dang it. Yeah. I need more. I, I, I believe this is a very good opportunity for this team. Sometimes as you hit the week 10 and on point, you get teams that are beat up. You get teams that you feel like, yeah, this is a team we ought to go get. And then if you beat them, you don't feel really good about it. Well, you, you feel fine because it's a win, but you don't feel like you've proven anything. They win this game, the Jags, and again, they will have played well enough to beat uh, three teams in a row. They played well for three quarters enough to beat the Colts. You can prove something to yourself by beating this team. This is a good team coming in. It's not a team, quote, the Jaguars ought to beat. Uh, so, you know, go do it. Go show us that what you've done the last two weeks is what you are for real. I think for the defense, it, it, it's a huge test and another step to show that you're an area that you can build around, which I think, which I think is what this defense is. I'd like to see it one more time. It would be nice to see. Bucky, you're on Thursday night this week? Yeah, Thursday night, big game. We get to see mighty Mac Jones in the New England Patriots, Tokyo on the Atlanta Falcons, so I'll be on the call for that. But then I'm more excited about the weekend, uh, the Niners. Jags. Well, Sunday. I think I think you Maybe. already previewed what you're going to talk about, Mac Jones on Thursday. I mean, you're just saying everything short. It's all He's you a know. Mac Jones hater. Yeah, apparently. I'm not a Mac Jones hater. I'm just saying, like Mac Jones is over here dinking and dunking people to death, and he's been celebrated like he's the goat. I mean, you got people talking about he's the baby goat down there. So I I didn't know Duval's <laughs> finest. <laughs> you know, right? Or is that no. That's a sheep. It goes, man. Yeah, I, we're, no more animal sounds, John. I think we're done for the day. Uh, Bucky, have a good one. We'll talk to you this week, man. All right, man. Bucky, all right, Bucky. Bucky Brooks out of here. So is John Osier. And so are all of us. For our entire crew, for Brent Reber, Trent Padilla, John Osier, and Bucky, I'm J.P. Shadrick. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network.